3: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. As the LGBTQ community continues to celebrate Pride Month here in California, an event that's scheduled to feature drag queens at Fresno's Chafee Zoo has sparked controversy in the city. Opposing rallies were held near City Hall on Wednesday. Miguel Gastelum is president of the Fool's Collaborative, a nonprofit advocacy group for the local arts community. He spoke with the Fresno Bee.
2: We're really just here to, you know, share the the, the positive experience of the queer community, the, the family friendliness. And we have, uh, you know, obviously religious advocates here. We have uh, faith leaders here, uh, members of the drag community here, all to, to speak out in, in support.
3: The other rally was led by pastors in the Fresno area. Pastor Elias Loira is with the Family Christian Assembly of God in Fresno. We cannot be silent concerning openly dangerous or offensive behaviors. The group of church leaders also opposed the raising of the pride flag at City Hall earlier this month. The zoo says tomorrow's event is meant to show that it welcomes and supports all communities in the Central Valley, and the entertainment will be age-appropriate. The trustee for a more than $13 billion fund set up to compensate Pacific gas and electric wildfire victims is stepping down. KQED's Dan Brecky reports. Retired Judge John K. Trotter said in a public statement he only ever intended to oversee the Fire Victim Trust for two years and that he'll be leaving the post next week. Trotter has faced frequent criticism for the performance of the trust, which was set up in 2020 as part of pg es exit from bankruptcy. The biggest complaint? The trust's payouts have been slow and its expenses have been high. Trotter has pointed to the complexity of processing claims filed by nearly 70,000 fire survivors as a major factor in delaying payments. The trust also faces an ongoing challenge turning PG&E stock it holds into the cash needed to pay claims. For the California Report, I'm Dan Brecky, And let's now travel to the town of Paradise in Butte County. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. In a community that was nearly wiped off the map by a devastating wildfire in 2018, safety experts have unveiled a new standard for hardening California homes from fires. It's hoped that homeowners who adopt the standard will find it easier to get fire insurance while protecting buildings and lives. KQED's Danielle Benton reports.
1: Standing in front of her newly rebuilt home, Casey Taylor held the frame certificate honoring her for having the first certified wildfire prepared home. This standard is a collaboration between insurance industry groups, CAL FIRE and the Federal National Institute of Standards and Technology.
4: I'm a longtime Paradise resident. I love this community so much and I'm so happy to see it be able to build back safer.
1: So thank you for this. To meet this designation, Taylor's home, including its roof, windows, deck, and vents is resistant to flames and embers. Nothing flammable is within five feet of the home, plus dozens of other steps for comprehensive preparation. She says she hopes Rebuilding Paradise, which was devastated by the 2018 campfire, will be an example to other communities. Other homes in the area are slated to be inspected for this same certification. Aside from installing a fire resistant roof, the steps to qualify for the standard.
2: They are not actions that are so specialized that they could only be done by a contractor.
1: That's Roy Wright, CEO of the Insurance Institute for Business and Home Safety, a nonprofit research organization that helped develop the standard.
2: These are things that homeowners could do under the guise of a do-it-yourself project they might do to improve their home.
1: The approach is already being used in a pilot wildfire mitigation program through the State Office of Emergency Services and CAL FIRE. The program helps pay for safety improvements. Also, the State Insurance Department is drafting new regulations aimed at pulling insurers back into the market. This standard may become a foundation for these regulations. For the California Report, I'm Danielle Venton.
3: And let's stay on the topic of fires. New research from UC Irvine shows that fires caused by humans are spreading faster and destroying more trees than blazes caused by lightning strikes. Researchers looked at more than 200 fires in California from 2012 through 2018 that could be contained within the first 24 hours of when they ignited, and found that those caused by humans were on average more than six times larger than fires caused by lightning. The study also found that blazes started by humans killed more than three times as many trees. Now, it's important to note that the research didn't take into effect the summer of 2020 when hundreds of wildfires were sparked by lightning strikes across Northern California, including at least four which burned over 300,000 acres. The UC Irvine team says lightning typically happens in humid conditions and is often accompanied by rainfall, meaning those blazes are likely to spread less quickly during the pandemic renters in los angeles have been protected from evictions and rent hikes now the city's elected leaders are asking if it's time
2: to roll back those protections
3: kpcc reporter david wagner has
2: more la has shielded renters hurt by covid 19 from higher rents or eviction for more than two years But on Wednesday, the city council took up a motion to reassess those measures. No immediate changes were made, but tenant advocates say now is the wrong time to even bring up phasing out these rules. Cynthia Strathman is with Strategic Actions for a Just Economy.
0: To lift these protections at a time when people are still very fragile is only likely to increase the problem of homelessness.
2: Landlord groups say the city has been too slow to let the rental market return to normal. Diane Robertson is a co-founder of the L.A.-based Coalition of Small Rental Property Owners.
0: It feels as though we have just been identified as a scapegoat.
2: Under L.A.'s current rules, tenants will have until 2023 to repay the rent they've missed during the pandemic. For The California Report, I'm David Wagner in Los Angeles.
3: For generations, Catholic schools have been a kind of landing pad for immigrants of faith coming to the U.S. Think of the Irish in Boston, Poles in Chicago, or Mexican migrants here in California. But many Catholic schools across the country are closing for good. One of them is St. Mary Catholic School in L.A.'s Boyle Heights neighborhood, which first opened in 1907. KCRW's Robin Estrin tells us what the school's closure means for the community.
4: Almost all of Charles Martinez's life has revolved around St. Mary Catholic School, which closed this month after serving the primarily working-class Latino families of Boyle Heights for more than a century.
0: This school has been, how shall I say, uh, the cornerstone of my education.
4: When Martinez was an elementary schooler at St. Mary's in the 60s, he says classrooms were packed with students.
0: We had a waiting list. Imagine that, that that's sounds funny to me saying <laughs> a waiting list because we haven't seen a waiting list in years at a Catholic school.
4: Martinez started to notice the enrollment decline after he returned to St. Mary's as a PE coach in 1986. At first, he says it was gradual.
0: But then the pandemic came and that's when we went to about 220, there's 200, something like that to about 84 kids in a matter of three or four months. People were losing their jobs. People didn't wanna send their kids to school because they were afraid they'd get sick.
4: At about $300 per month, St. Mary's parent and alum, Alicia Navarro, says the cost of tuition became unaffordable for many families during the pandemic, even with financial aid. I felt so bad for some of the parents that would say, like, I can't, I can't do it. So we're going to have to take them out and put them in public school or homeschool. Finally, in April of this year, St. Mary's vice principal, Sister Ann Cassidy, delivered the bad news Martinez had tried to pray away. St. Mary's would permanently close its doors in June at the end of the school year.
0: There's the kids don't miss, you know, it's, uh, they gave me a purpose, you know.
4: St. Mary's is just one of many Catholic schools to close in recent years. Data from the National Catholic Educational Association says almost half of the Catholic schools open a generation ago are shuttered today. Paul Escala, superintendent of schools for the Los Angeles Archdiocese, attributes the closures to a shrinking pool of students as California's birth rate declines. But there's also increased competition. There are 32 elementary schools within one and a half miles of St. Mary's. When you combine the KIPs and the Aspires and and then the LA Unified schools. When Escala talks about KIP and Aspire, he's talking about charter schools that are now trying to do exactly what Catholic schools have always done, launch low-income children into the middle class. We encounter Students and families with the highest needs. And I think that's really where the church has always been and in in neighborhoods and in communities, particularly in in our poorest communities. That is what our calling is. That's our mission. But charter schools, which boomed in the 2000s, don't charge tuition. Martinez again.
0: People are are looking at these schools as, uh, okay, you can compete with the Catholic schools and I don't have to pay for it.
4: The prospect of further school closures concerns Superintendent Escala. He says that historically, Catholic schools have served as, quote, the epicenter of welcome to immigrants of faith in Boyle Heights. Families knew that not only could I go to church here, but my kids can go to school
2: here, and they're going to build communities and neighborhoods. And that has been the richness of
4: our neighborhoods. But in the 115 years St. Mary stood in Boyle Heights, the neighborhood has changed. And Escala says the loss of the school is part of the story of that change. It represents the tension between what Los Angeles has been and what it's becoming. For The California Report, I'm Robin Estrin in Los Angeles.
3: And that's The California Report for Thursday, June 23rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk tomorrow.
1: Support for the California report comes from Stanford Healthcare, alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area. Now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org. Hint Fruit infused water in over 25 flavors, no sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from DrinkHint.com. Hint Water with a touch of true fruit flavor and Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food, on the web at theschmidt.org. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book.
2: That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.
4: Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of The California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world.
0: I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California.